right. Good morning, church family. How we doing today? Good to see you guys. Hey, uh, if, you, if you're comfortable, if you don't mind, if you have some, a few chairs between you and the family next to you, uh, leave a couple chairs, but if you can squish in a little bit. We got families coming in. We want to make sure we got room for everybody. So if you got some space and you're comfortable, if you don't mind uh, squishing in a little bit just so we have room for everybody, we're still trying to stay safe and wise, but I'm telling you, it is awesome to see people coming back to church. And... Uh, I love it this morning, you know, I had, there's some, some folks in our church, they're faithful people, and they've been joining us online, and we want to welcome everybody that's joining us on our, our digital uh, platforms this morning, but some folks, they're faithful people, but, uh, but they're, they're in a more vulnerable crowd with the virus, and they're a little older, and I'll tell you what, man, they showed up this morning, they came and gave me a big old hug around my neck, and and uh, they, they, they had made the decision to get the vaccination. And I don't know if everybody's going to navigate whether they feel like that's the right move for them. But I was so thankful to have them and for them to be able to be back around their, their church family this morning. And, uh, but this morning, uh, I, I had a, a sermon ready and written yesterday morning. I feel like the Lord told me to pivot. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been in a church where you had the pastor, the preacher say, I feel like the Holy Spirit's leading us in a different direction. And, and a lot, I've been in churches where that happened, and, uh, and then the pastor would just turn to the worship pastor and be like, so we're just going to worship today. And, I, and I, I learned now as a pastor what that means is he wasn't ready. <laughs> like he didn't prepare a sermon. And uh, it may not mean that. He may have just actually felt like the Holy Spirit led him to do that. But, uh, but I want to let you know I got a sermon but it's different than what I had prepared. So it's not as polished as I usually like it to be. I'm not as smart as some pastors. It takes me a long time to prep a sermon. And, uh, and I didn't have as long with this one, but I do believe it's what the Lord wants us to look at. But I wanna pray real quick, if you don't mind. Father, thank you for being here. And thank you for every person that's here. I, I don't know their stories. I don't know everything that they're going through in their life, but you know every detail. And God, I thank you that they, they're not just sitting in a crowd. And you're not here just to meet with a crowd. You're here to meet with individuals. And so I thank you, Holy Spirit, as a great counselor and helper, that you, you're here to, to meet with us. And I just pray that you'd speak. Uh, you know my heart. I, I believe that you helped me to, to make the adjustment to, to change my sermon. Um, but I just pray that it, it would resonate with what you want us to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So we've been in a couple of different series over the last few weeks. Uh, we had a series about walking with God, and it was just great. It was just real practical, like discipleship type stuff. And then we had a series on the Holy Spirit. And uh, man, I really feel like the Lord helped us in that series. And I, I feel like so many people were able to engage with the Holy Spirit and have a relationship with Him like they haven't ever really had before. But I was thinking about like, what's the purpose of all that? Like, why, why, why do we grow in God? Why do we want to walk with God? Why do we want to have this relationship with the Holy Spirit? Well, the truth is this. You cannot separate your being saved from your being sent. A non-serving Christian is an oxymoron because the word Christian means Christ-like. The number one example that Christ set was serving so my original message was just about serving. But then I realized that so much was driving that message was honestly the needs that we have around our church right now. 
Uh, we have a lot of our serve teams coming back, but they're not where they used to be, and we're getting ready to get into the Easter season. I just want to make sure we're able to take care of people and, and host people and have rooms for the kids and all that kind of stuff happening. But then I realized, look, that, that's more like issue-driven message, but it's not motive-driven. The motive of my heart as your pastor is that you reach the full potential of everything that God has called you to do and be. And, and the truth is this, you won't get that, you won't be that if you think that your relationship with God amounts to him pouring into you and giving you everything you need and then it stops there. I know too many Christians, they let God pour into them or they even come to church on a Sunday and they get poured into and as soon as they're done, they put a cap on it. And then they just keep that. They just hold on to that. They never pour out. They never look for a place that might need some refreshing around them. The problem is this, even though like if you are a cup and let's just say that God is like pouring fresh water into your life. Even though that water is good and it's God's will and it's a part of his kingdom and it's, it's from the Holy Spirit. Even though it's good, what it's poured into is not good. Because even if you're a believer, you're still flawed. You still have your flesh. And so the problem is when you get something good poured into you, but it's not being refreshed all the time, and you just put a cap on it, it gets stagnant and gross. And then by the time you decide, maybe I'll serve over here, I'll try to help somebody, encourage somebody. Truth is, it's not even that good anymore. But if you stay under God as your source, like he's just constantly pouring into you. This is not just Sunday. This is your Monday through Saturday. This is supposed to be a lifestyle. But if you're meeting with him daily and you have a relationship with him and he's constantly pouring into you, guess what? You can't help but overflow. And when you overflow, that's your ministry. That's the impact that God has called you to have in the world around you. And yes, that includes serving people. But it's not just in the four walls of this church, it's in your community. It's you keeping your spiritual antennas up to find people around you that just need some hope and encouragement. To hear your testimony, what God has done in your life. So I wanna talk to you about this, con this idea of biblical community. If you've been around for a while, you've heard me mention this term, but I wanna dive into what I believe that means for us. So I'm gonna look at our, our primary text is in Romans chapter 12. I'm gonna be reading out of the message translation. This is a commentary on the original language. It is not a word for word translation. If you want a word for word translation, you'll have to go to the King James or the New King James. If you want something that's more of a thought for thought translation, you can look at the NIV or the NLT. So this is just a commentary, but I love the commentary of this verse and this passage on the original language. It says this in chapter 12, verse four of Romans. In this way, we are like the various parts of a human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. I think that is so important. How ridiculous would it be if your finger was dictating the rest of your body? Not a good idea. No, the, the finger finds its purpose by being defined according to the rest of the body. And this next part's important too. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. So Jesus is the head. Jesus is the head. 
So he's the brains of the operation. He's defining and deciding how each part works and operates and moves. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. But as a chopped off finger or cut off toe, we wouldn't amount to much. Even just thinking about a toe getting cut off is painful. Just thinking about that. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelously functioning parts of Christ's body, let us go ahead and be what we were made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves. Stop comparing yourself to someone else. Stop comparing your walk with Christ to someone else's. You run your race. Stay in your lane. Stop comparing yourself. Stop trying to be something that you're not. So we live in a pretty interesting time to study human interaction and relationship. A lot of it's been really messed up over the last few months. So connectivity in some ways is much easier than it's ever been, but we've never been more separated. It doesn't require a lot of depth to connect. Like it can be really quick. Like you post a picture of something you're gonna eat. Like that's the depth of the relationship that you have. With, like, oh, I wonder what they're eating today. I, I, I'm sorry, I won't post pictures of stuff I'm eating. I just don't think that you guys care that much about what I'm eating. But, but I, I'm, not, I'm not judging, I'm just saying, for some people, that is the depth of connection and relationship that they have with the world around them. A picture of their food. So it's just, it can be real quick and shallow. Even in a pandemic, commercials still depend on marketing relationships as fulfillment to sell their product. You notice that? Beer commercials, car commercials, Pharmaceutical commercials, all these commercials, they got these cool people hanging out around each other. So you're watching these things, you're like, man, I want to have cool relationships too. Beer commercials and car commercials, pharmaceutical commercials. My kids have keyed in on that. They'll be watching this pharmaceutical commercial and they're all the same. They got these cool, pretty good looking people, you know? And they're all living life together and everything's great. And they keep showing scenes of them having this cool life and relationship together as they tell you all the side effects. My kids are like, so they make it look really cool. And then they talk about all the ways this can kill you. But it works. <laughs> it works because we're sitting there thinking, man, look at all those Super cool, close friends having a blast together using their skin cream. Man, I need that ointment in my life so I can have stronger friendships. You know, they have done studies and despite the fact that we are more connected than we've ever been with more people, than we've ever been connected to, we feel more alone and more unknown than any time in measured history. 
And I think how we define community is skewed and something is off about how we see and operate in healthy relationships. Maybe some of the issue is that our relationships are built solely on commonalities. Like commonalities that shift and change pretty easily. Like life seasons and hobbies and political interests, age. Look, I think simple commonality is fine, but can it be enough to sustain real, godly, lasting relationships? Look, when Cody and I were 25, people could call us at nine o'clock at night and invite us to dinner, we would say yes. Like we had friends, we, we, would, we would go over to their house at 10 o'clock at night, watch So You Think You Could Dance, and then play Dr. Mario and talk about the mysteries of the universe until 3 a.m. What a problem. We were just in that season of life. Now we got four kids. We got bedtimes. And if we miss those bedtimes, our kids will manifest demons. And Cody will just straight up fall asleep mid-sentence. Like, I have seen this. Like, 10 o'clock rolls around, she might as well be high and drunk. I love you guys. <laughs> she, just, she can't do it. We're not in the same phase and season of life. We're still friends with those people, but the only reason why we're friends is because we all love the Lord together. We grew in the Lord together. Commonalities are not enough, though. Look, I think having hobbies you like to do with people or that your kids like to do with each other, that's fine. You know, you hunt, you fish, you go to games together. You run together. Not like in a gang, but you like literally run together, like jogging. Look, I, I used to love to run. I was like Forrest Gump. Like I'd run everywhere. Like I was good at it. But now I get tired, sore, and grumpy hanging Christmas lights. Like I don't want to... I don't, run, I don't run anymore. I don't want to run unless somebody's chasing me. Like, that's the only reason why. Because my hobbies change. Common hobbies are great. But you still need more for true relationship. Some of the strongest friendships, honestly, that I've ever had, I had with people that weren't anything like me. Meaning they saw things differently than I did. They even had different political opinions than I had. They just saw things different so we could challenge each other. I think that's what helped us be stronger friends. I'm so thankful that I pastor and I get to be a part of a church that is diverse. I wouldn't want to have a church or go to a church that had a bunch of people with the same skin color. I want, I want to go to a church that looks as much like heaven as possible. That's where I want to go. We're, a, we're diverse in our ethnicity. We're, we're diverse in our upbringing and our opinions. We're, we're, we're diverse in our age. 
even our faith and church background, you wouldn't believe the melting pot of people that are in this room right now. I'm so thankful for that. I have a different testimony than you. You know, I, I, didn't, I didn't find Jesus after an all-nighter waking up in the bed of a Ford pickup truck with a tattoo of a butterfly on my lower back. That wasn't my testimony. Maybe that's your testimony. I'm thankful for your testimony. I'm thankful for your story. Some of us, we got saved from rebellion. Some of us got saved from religion. Some of us got saved from both. I'm thankful for your story. But here's the thing. Even in a perfect world at the beginning of time, God didn't want Adam to be alone. I just want you to think about this. This is so powerful for you to recognize what happened. Because at that point, there's no sin, no headaches, no pain, no in-laws, and no clothes. How more perfect can it get, perfect can it get than that? Like, now I will say the one good thing we got out of the fall of man is clothing. I don't wanna be in this service right now without that, okay? I just wanna let you know that right now. And you especially don't because there was a service before this service. We didn't open up the other rows for this service. I think you get what I mean. But I want you to think about this. God creates the spans of the universe and day and night, and the mountains and the oceans and every living creature and creates Adam and he goes through and he says, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he looks at Adam and he says, it's not good for that dude to be alone. And I want you to understand the context of that is not just, it's not good for man not to have a wife. Although, for the most part, it's really not good for men not to have wives because we will die because we're stupid. But it wasn't just talking about the covenant of marriage, man and a woman. It was talking about relationships. And a lot of you, you're married and you're alone together and it's still not good. It's not healthy. But he had a plan. Created relationships for us. So if just commonalities and hobbies and just having interests that are similar, all of that is not enough, what do we need? Well, biblical community, I would equivocate it to another term, covenant community. This word covenant, what does that mean? Well, God's relationship with us is covenant, and I'm so thankful for that, but what does it mean? Well, vows at a wedding, at a wedding ceremony, these are covenant vows, okay? And what that means is vows don't say this, if you are rich, healthy, and good-looking forever, oh man, got you. No, that's contractual. But wedding vows say what? For better Worse, 
regardless, richer or poorer, sickness and in health, I give myself to you. That is covenant. So with the body of Christ, it's not if you'll do this, then I'm in, but rather I'm going to do this so we can all be in including the ones that aren't in yet. I wanna do my part. That's God's relationship with his church. That is the model that Jesus set for us to have with one another. In Matthew 16, 24, it says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, then you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, what is his sake? His sake is his kingdom. His sake is the body of Christ. That is his sake. His sake is his bride. If you'll give it up for my sake, then you will save it. So covenant relationship and language doesn't say, somebody better greet me when I get to church. I haven't been greeted. Somebody, nobody said hi to me. That's not covenant language. Our posture is this. I'll help greet. Let me find somebody to encourage. We don't show up demanding. We show up looking for the good of the whole. And I think there's some of that in y'all because we don't have coffee right now. And you're still here. We're still having to do these guidelines. You're still here. So I think some of this is in you. I do want you to know, however, that you can attend our church for the rest of your life. Never serve. Never give a dime to the vision. You can just attend. Never contribute. And you will never be judged. Not by me. Not by the sons and daughters of this house. We'll still love you. You'll still be welcome. But this is the truth. As a church, we'll never be as healthy as we could have been if you did more than that. And the truth is, you, as a follower of Christ, you won't be as healthy as you could have been. And I want everything that God has for you. No one was created to sit on the sidelines and watch. We're all created to be in the game. So what is biblical community? Well, it, it's connected. It's connected. Verse four, in the same way, like the various parts of the human body, each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. In other words, the church is not just a place. Like a movie theater. Y'all remember movie theaters? You know, like remember like we used to go Popcorn, butter, best thing in the world. 
But then remember, like, we go in, we watch a movie with several hundred other people and never say a word to anyone else and then just leave. That ain't the church. That's not what God created it to be. The church is not a place. It's not a class like you attended in college. When you walk in, you know, a few people there, you know, you might say hi, but for the most part, you're just there to show up and learn so you can earn. That's not the church. The church is a body, living, moving. It implies that there has to be a deeper level of connection. Church is a relationship. The bride and the groom, us and Jesus. Together, we're the bride. It's important that we know we're not alone. Look, Christ would have died just for you if it was just for you. But it turns out there's many of us and many still to be added. And many that will be added are gonna come in and they're gonna be hurting. But they're still gonna be a part of this body. So we gotta get them healed and healthy and delivered. We can't do that if we're not being the body. If you've ever ventured into your home at night without any lights on and you felt pretty comfortable and confident because you know your home and the layout. And so you felt confident enough that you decided to go on this venture barefooted. And in the process of confidently walking through your home, go to the fridge, the restroom, you catch your pinky toe on the leg of a coffee table. Truth is, you weren't thinking about your pinky toe before that. It wasn't on your mind at all. But I promise you, when you catch your pinky toe on the leg of a coffee table in the dark, all of a sudden, all of who you are will be focused and consumed with your pinky toe and wanting desperately for it to stop hurting. Are we as focused and desperate as a body of Christ that when a part of us is hurting, no matter how small or what they feel like may be insignificant of a part they are, that all of who we are as a body goes to say, what can we do to get you healed and healthy and whole? We can't do that if we're not connected and acting like the body, being the body. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, it says this, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all agree with one another in what you say and that there are no divisions among you, 
but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Stop the petty arguing and bickering over things that are not eternal. Stop. You may hate masks. Okay. But you got a brother or sister in Christ that they're vulnerable. They want to be around the body. And they're going to feel more comfortable if there's people wearing masks. Just love them enough to wear a stinking mask. Sorry, that's kind of strong. But I do mean it. It's not eternal. This isn't a heaven or hell issue. Let go of the things that are so temporary so we can be the body. I've heard people say this. I just need to find myself. I'm just working on myself. This is the truth. To understand who you are, we need to understand and seek to understand Christ and his church. We don't need to gain a more focused and defined definition of ourselves. We need to allow Jesus and his word to define us. But we have to allow the body to help define the body parts. We have to remember we're just a fraction of the whole. But we are an incredibly important ingredient to the overall recipe. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And I've seen that. It's sad. I've seen some people with incredible gifts and I believe a God-given dream and vision, but they try to get it done on their own and God wanted them to do it with the body of Christ. First Peter 4, 7 says this, the end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, just a Bible reading tip. When the Bible says above all, listen, love each other deeply. <laughs> because love covers a multitude of sins and temporary petty issues. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. The truth is we need you and you need us. You have something in you that the body of Christ needs and the body has something that you need. Also biblical community, it's intentional. This is on purpose. This isn't gonna happen on accident. Romans 12, five says, each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of his body. So here's the thing, everyone ends up somewhere relationally, but not everyone winds up somewhere relationally on purpose. I didn't accidentally get married. Like I hear that happens in Vegas sometimes. But that wasn't what happened with me. And contrary to popular belief, we don't fall in and out of love. It is a choice. It happens on purpose. You have to be intentional about this. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
So there's things that God wants us to do. Those things won't get done if we're not intentional. And apart from the body of Christ, we will miss our eternal purpose. Also, biblical community is supportive and encouraging. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you're doing. There are so many stories of life groups and serve groups and community outreach groups showing up for one another, bailing each other out. There wasn't another option. You know, when the snowstorm happened, like I'm pretty confident driving in the snow because I was born and raised around it. But the fact is I don't have vehicles necessarily that are designed for it. So I went out one day in the minivan and I was just owning it. I'm just telling you like, I was doing good. I was rocking. But I went to meet some friends that agreed to help get some wood for us because we were trying to burn wood because Lord knows what our electricity bill was gonna be. And so they agreed they, they come over there and show up and use their truck to help load this wood. And so we load up the wood and we we're getting ready to leave. And I didn't keep my momentum. So then I got stuck on that much ice, like that much ice. And I'm just telling you, it didn't matter how experienced I was at that point. It didn't matter how hard I tried. I was stuck. But I was there with some friends. And those friends got me unstuck. There will be a time in your life where you will not be able to get yourself unstuck. You better have some friends around you. There are times in your life where you won't get healed on your own. You're gonna need some friends that are full of faith that'll believe for your healing and pray until it happens. Another reason why people, or reasons why people don't get connected in biblical community. Here's some of the things I've heard. It's just not my thing. It's just not my thing. James, you love people. I don't. I'm shy. Here would be my response. So you're telling me that you don't have the personality that likes being encouraged. You don't have the personality that wants to have purpose. You don't have the personality that wants to help others. Well, I would encourage you to drive down to Home Depot and buy yourself a ladder and get over it. Because you were created to do this. Don't let this be your excuse. Look, when you were seven, your mama told you not to talk to strangers. Those days are over. Those days are over. Another reason why people don't engage in biblical community is because Christians can be weird and judgmental. There's some truth in that. Although I find that statement in and of itself is a little judgmental. Christians are weird. 
<laughs> you're, if you're a Christ follower, let's just break this down. Do you believe that because some guy that lived 2,000 years ago that you never met lived a perfect life, died on a cross for how jacked up you are, but then stayed dead, he rose from the grave and then floated into heaven where he's creating a magical golden eternity for you. You're weird. You are weird. I'm not saying you're gonna connect with every group that you try to connect with. You may not. Don't give up. Don't give up just because you tried one time, you got in a group and you didn't fit. Just crawfish your way out of there, but find another one. Find another one. And I'm about being judgmental. I hate that. I hate that Christians can be hypocritical. Let us not forget we all have issues. Every one of us have issues. I'm a pastor, I have issues. If you don't think you have issues, that is your issue. And it's a major issue, honestly. We all have them. Please don't let that be your excuse. Another reason, I've just got way too much going on. Well, you're right. And I think that your priorities are messed up. What enduring relationship has ever been established by you moving through life at Mach 3? I'm sorry, it won't happen. And the sad thing is the first people it's gonna hurt is your family and your kids. And the crazy thing, so much of why you're so crazy and so busy and moving so fast, you think it's for them, but it, it will wind up working against you. You have to have biblical community. But I know some of us are just driven by doing. God wants you to rest in the being, his son and daughter. I wanna read this verse over every person that's in that space in Luke chapter 12, verse 29 says this. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. So steep yourself. That word steep, I love that. Like when you get tea, you're making tea. You gotta let it steep if you wanna get all that flavor. You mean, it means you gotta let it just simmer. Let it sit a little bit. Steep yourself. Steep yourself in God's presence. In godly reality, in godly initiative, in godly provisions. Ooh. God reality. No. Doesn't matter what news program you watch. Don't let that be your reality. God initiative. It doesn't matter what culture is trying to get you to do. What's God trying to get you to do? And God provisions. Are you going to work smart? Or are you going to work hard? 
Are you going to trust God with every area of your life? Are you going to trust him in obedience to the things he asks you to return to him? Or are you going to just try to keep it all for yourself and go on your own ability and your own power and your own knowledge and your own wisdom? I don't know about you. I'd rather have the creator of the universe helping me out. It's just God's provision. You'll find your everyday human concerns will be met. Don't be afraid of missing out. <laughs> oh, what are you really going to miss out on? I mean, try it for a little bit. You're not going to miss out on much. It says, you're my dearest friend. The Father wants to give you the very kingdom itself. Eternity, not the temporary. So here's my promise to you. I promise if you will seek biblical community, and I'll, I'll tell you some of the places that that can happen. Life groups can be that. Serve groups can be that. These people that help us pull off these, I promise you, they're not just showing up serving. They have community together. They're growing together. They're helping each other. Community outreach, it's another place, man. I'll tell you, you you want to talk about forming some deep, meaningful, godly relationships. Something happens when you get outside of these four walls and start impacting the world around you. It changes things. There's a lot of places you can find this. But this is why I promise you, if you will do this, you'll be prayed for. You'll be prayed for, weekly at least. You'll learn more about Christ. You'll be connected. You'll have purpose. You'll be encouraged. You'll be known. We all have to grow in biblical community. And it is around the body of Christ. This is his design of how that happens. So, if you're outgoing and, and good with people, maybe you could help us greet. Certainly help us with some community outreach. You love organizing information, talking to people and creating systems. You can definitely help us at our welcome center. We're always needing organization around how we can impact our community and our city. You can play a harmonica or a tambourine. Maybe you could audition for the band. I don't know that we're going to have those instruments, but if you're good enough, who knows? We are in the South. But if you can't sing and all your friends and family have told you that you can't sing, please don't try out for the worship team. And I would go as far to say this. If you can't sing and you've never had someone tell you that you can't sing, you definitely don't have biblical community because biblical community will help a brother out and say, no. You have a gift, this just isn't it. Let's find it. If you love kids, we got kids. And we could use some help. We really could. If you just wanna stand somewhere and look intimidating, we got a security team. They're a bunch of teddy bears, really. point is I'm not begging you to serve 
I'm not doing that. I'm begging you to fulfill your purpose. I'm begging you to be able to step into the life to the full that Christ died on the cross to give you. That's all I'm trying to do. If you're interested in any of that, I encourage you to swing by our welcome center after church. There'll be leaders out there, there'll be people bless us if there was even just a couple of people say hey you know what I just felt like I want to come and check it out we'll say this with our Easter services if you just wanted to show up and help us serve just for one of those services that would be amazing like if you didn't want to like feel like you're committing to staying on a serve team just help us with those we're, we're trying to reach people that Easter is one of the times that people get saved and, and we just want to make sure we're ready for them All of this, again, comes out of an overflow of a personal relationship with Jesus. This is a place of salvation for people. And every week, as long as I've been a part of this church, 17 years, and of course, 10 years at this campus, every single weekend, at least one person gets saved. Every single weekend. And I think there might be a couple people here this morning that you know the Holy Spirit's been speaking to your heart and saying, hey, you're away from me. You're my son, you're my daughter. I want you back. I want you back. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. If you're in that place, you know you're away from the Lord right now. If you're really honest, you've just never truly surrendered your life to him. You've never committed to him. Maybe you felt like you did at one point or another, but if, but you, you just feel distant from him. You have no confidence about your relationship with your heavenly father. The word of God says this, the only way to the father is through his son, Jesus. And so at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many times you've attended church. It doesn't matter how many times you sang a worship song or a hymn. Until you have come to the realization that your sin separates you from a holy God and that you needed somebody to pay the price on the cross for your sin. And until you have asked for forgiveness and then surrendered your life to him as your Lord, you are separated from him. And I want to give you a chance this morning, if you just know you're away from him, nobody's looking around and I, this is not about me embarrassing you. I believe you can make a, a private decision right now, right there in your chair, personal decision. I will say your faith is never meant to be private. You can make a personal decision, but your faith is meant to never be private. It's meant to be public. And so if you, even if you make this decision, I'd encourage you, you need to tell somebody about it as soon as you can. After this service today, we're gonna have a water baptism service. That's just a public declaration of this faith. But if you're here and you know you're away from him, you need him, I wanna pray for you. I'm just gonna ask you to be bold enough to admit it between me, you, and God. I'm away from him and I need him. Put your hand up right now. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. Got it, thank you guys, got it. Yes, got it, yes ma'am. Anybody else? I'm just away from him. I need him. Got it. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else? Got you, bro. Anybody else? I'm just away from him. 
Okay, so every once in a while, when I get to this point in the service, I just feel like the Holy Spirit says, hey, there's somebody that's a lot like you and they are stubborn. And, and they may have a little bit of pride like me. And it may be, I don't know, maybe because you come to church for a long time, or you're worried about what somebody's gonna think around you or, or you're just wrestling with this and letting the enemy. And, and I think there might be somebody that's like that right now that's just being stubborn. And I understand that, but I also want you to experience what God has for you right now. So you can be stubborn and strong in a lot of areas, but don't let this be the area right now. Got it. I got it. Thanks, bro. Yes, sir. I will say it's usually men. <laughs> That's just the way we are sometimes. Is there anyone else? That's just the way we are. I get it. Okay. So for every person that raised your hand, I'd say there's probably 15, 16 hands. Let's just talk to them. Just say this. Say, God, here's my life. I know that I'm broken. I know that I'm messed up. The truth is, I don't know how you could love somebody like me. And I don't understand all the details about how what you did on the cross, it doesn't all make sense. It's all, it's all a little weird. But right now, I just know that you're, you're speaking to my heart. And so I just, I wanna respond. And, and right now, I have the faith to believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me pay the price for my sin. And I ask for your forgiveness for my sin. But I know that Jesus didn't just die. He rose from the grave. And when he rose from the grave, it defeated my sin. It defeated my death so I can walk victorious. I can be free. But I know you didn't set me free just so I can safely arrive at death and go to heaven. You set me free so that I could walk into my purpose. God, I know I can't walk into my purpose if I'm gonna try to do my own thing, if I wanna live life for my own reasons and my own purpose. And so I surrender my life to you as my Lord and Savior. I repent, I stop, I turn away from living for myself or living for the world and I wanna live for you. Please forgive me. Help me, God, help me. I wanna understand more about your love. I wanna understand your word. It's big and it's intimidating, but I know you can help me. And God, I also know that you're calling me to be a part of something bigger than myself. So help me to be connected to the body of Christ and to find that biblical community that pastor's been talking about. I know I need that. I know I want it. Help me. I give my life to you. I give my life to you. Father, I thank you so much for every person that made that decision. And God, I pray that you help me and you help us as a church come alongside of them, to help them to walk, to be the people you've created them to be. God, I pray that we would be convicted in our hearts that we need the body of Christ and the body of Christ needs us and that we just simply respond to it. In Jesus' name, amen.